Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. His name is Jesus. Has Jesus made a a change in your life? Has Jesus turned things around for you? Jesus saved me. I was lost and confused and broken, and I I couldn't save myself, anyone else. Unable to save yourself. You needed help. Jesus came to my rescue. And not only did he save me, he forgave me and he filled my life with joy and he blessed me. And the best is yet to come. How awesome is that? I'll take that. I think I'm preaching tonight. So I found out I was preaching tonight. So praise the Lord. Hey, give your neighbor a high five and say, how? You may be seated for just a moment. Thank you, worship team. Great job. All right. I want to thank Pastor Daniel, Pastor Karen, for giving me the great privilege to preach in this pulpit. This is Pastor Daniel's pulpit, and we have had some amazing guests here in the last week, and yet in all of my issues, I got the opportunity to come preach the word. Yeah, I have issues. Chocolate's one of them. Chocolate's one of my issues. So is fried chicken. And if you see anything fly out of my mouth while I'm preaching, there was an angel that showed up in my office bearing gifts. They just materialized. I was in there just kind of reviewing my notes and this angel appeared bearing a bucket of chicken Fried chicken. Anybody like fried chicken? Ha! And I did my best to get all the residue out and, uh, you know, swish with mouthwash and things like that. So if you see evidence flying out, blame the angel that showed up bearing a bucket of fried chicken in my office. I won't say any names, but their initials are Jeff Mitchell. You can thank him. Those of you, I came when it was time to pray. If you caught the aroma of the bucket of fried chicken, I did my best to reduce that. I ate like three packs of of Altoids before I came in. And I used this hand sanitizer. Can hand sanitizer go bad? Can it go bad? I think this did. Because my hands don't smell sanitary. I want to thank my big cheerleading section here on the front row, the Davis family here. And I want to say, and I felt impressed so much to say to my two sons who think they're taller than me, how proud I am of you that you're willing to serve in children's ministry week after week because we have boys in desperate need of models role models. Anybody, anybody aware 
of this day and age we live in where boys need de desperately need role models of what a young man looks like and acts like and serves Jesus like and worships like. And I want to thank these two smaller, shorter uh, young men sitting on the front row here for, for coming to serve with boys and, le and living in such a way that they could look up to you and say, I want to be like that. And we're in need of more, right, Pastor Kimmy? We're in need of some more young men and dads and grandpas to serve in children's ministry. We don't have enough. And we, if, you, if, if you would like to join the role model team, we'd sure like to have you. There's a process to go through to join that, be a part of putting yourself in a position for young boys to see a man and say, that's what I'm going to be like because they need it. I'm encouraging you. More, more than encouraging you, I'm imploring you. Please, men, help us in children's ministry. There's some boys counting on you. Love to have you join the team. Talk to Pastor Kimmy. And I wanted to say a welcome to Eagle River. They join us on Sunday night. Welcome Eagle River. Glad you're with us. Take your Bible and... Um, we're going to turn to an unusual book, but let me just kind of intro this first. By giving you a brief uh, synopsis of a moment in the life of Paul the Apostle, who wrote more books of Bible, more books of the Bible than anyone else. He wrote books to churches that would be taken from the pastor of that church and read to the whole body of believers. He was the apostolic father of all these churches and, and all these men and women that he raised up to be on his team. He would move them around from place to place. It's kind of the model that we follow here with Kings. It's the Ephesus church model in how there is a central hub by which other works are established that are connected to that hub. That's kind of the way we operate here. But there's a unique story and one unique letter that's not like any of the others that Paul wrote. You're probably familiar with most of his book, uh, letters that he's written, the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Those are all letters that Paul wrote. But there's one that's quite unique. It's not like those. And let me give you the background to it, and then we're going to stand and read a section of Scripture to take home and act upon and build our lives upon. I love this book. I love the principles in this book. Anyone else? I love reading in here and applying it to my life and seeing the blessing of God take place in my life because I read it and I did it. Tonight we find principles to do the same. We're going to be blessed by hearing, receiving, and acting on the word. Paul was in prison in Rome. And while he was there, a young man had fled to Rome and encountered one of his team members. He wasn't allowed to leave the house prison that he was in, so this young man invariably encountered one of his disciples and in doing so became a convert to Christianity. 
had his whole life radically changed, just like mine, when Jesus came and rescued me, changed everything about me. And this young man got to meet the Apostle Paul, was introduced to him, became a disciple of Paul's, and over the course of time became one of his valuable team members. Apostle Paul had many valuable team members, but there's something significant about this one. Because in, at some point in his knowing and conversing with the Apostle Paul, he decided to tell Paul his story. And when he told the Apostle Paul his story about how he was in Rome and why he was there, he was not born and lived in Rome. He was running away from some things and went there. When he told the Apostle Paul his story, the Apostle Paul immediately was met with a situation that he couldn't leave like it is. And that is the background to the short little letter we call Philemon. Have you ever seen that in the Bible? Why don't you find that somewhere in there? You may have to turn to the table of contents to find it. It's short and you probably miss it most of the time. And I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, Philemon. Maybe it's Philemon, maybe it's Philemon. I don't know, it's gonna be one of those. Would you stand with me and let's read because God's gonna speak to us from this very unusual letter and in the next few minutes or so, I hope to relay to you what God's put in my heart and how it impacts us. Pick up with verse, there's only one chapter so it's, it's hard to miss, I mean it's hard to find sometimes. Uh, we're gonna pick up with verse seven. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the heart of the saints. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and me. I'm sending, I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done any wrong, done you any wrong, or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that 
you will do even more than I ask. Father, come speak to us today from your word. Help us to live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This is quite a unique letter. Well, what makes it so unique? Well, first of all, Paul wrote it with his own hand. That's kind of unusual for the Apostle Paul. He usually had someone else writing for him, and he would talk, and somebody else would write. Uh, secondly, it's written to a, it's a personal letter written to a family. It's not written to a, to a pastor to read out loud to the church and everybody hears and responds. This is a personal letter that he wrote to them. And there's two major parties involved here. We find the party of Onesimus, and then we have Philemon and his family. We find principles of relationships that take on a new framework when we have become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Have you become a new creation? I am definitely a new creation. Nothing like I used to be. God has touched my life. I'm a new creation. Part of living in a new creation is how we live with one another, isn't it? Our relationships take on a whole new perspective, a new set of lenses when we start living and operating with Jesus as our Lord. And right here we find a couple of principles that you and I can put into practice and live out. How many moms and dads do we have in the house? You have children living in your house. Okay, we got quite a few. How many of you have graduated all your kids and they're no longer in your house? And they're off on their own somewhere. But you've had the experience of having children in your house. Quite a few. And maybe you haven't had that privilege. Maybe it's coming soon. Don't know what that uh, outlook might be for you. But I have the great privilege of having five kids. My oldest is in college. My youngest is right here with three amazing young teenage boys in the middle. Love them so much. One of the things that is a, uh, one of the aspects of being a parent is helping our children understand how they should respond when they wrong someone. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you've got several kids in your house, you probably run into this quite a bit. He did this. He did that. Anyone? He touched my thing. He took that over there. My new thing. He touched it. He looked at it. He's looking at me. <laughs> They're in the back seat. He's on my side. My sister and I used to argue and have sides. And we would draw. Anyone else? You did this? We would draw invisible lines. And then what did my sister do? <laughs> Touch my side of the line. I never did that. Just don't ask my mom if I did or not. Just take my word for it. No, actually, I was extremely antagonistic. I know you probably don't find that to be true, that in some way I would cause trouble or... Oh, I just got to tell you what I did the other day. Side note. Is that clock right? Wow. All right. Sometimes I like to cause trouble because I think it's fun. But in this case, we find, in, in, this, in this story here, we find something where Paul 
is engaging with both of these men in one letter, akin to a parent helping their children resolve conflict that's happened in their family. Paul sees himself as a spiritual father to Onesimus. He calls him his spiritual son. But he, and, and he, the, the background here is Philemon has run away. He has left his master. He's a servant. Onesimus has ran away. Excuse me, let me make sure I get it right. Thank you, Rob. Um, Onesimus has ran away. He fled and he left a mess behind him. A mess that has to be cleaned up. He didn't leave the right way. And there's conflict and there's hurts and there's things that were left unresolved with his master and his master's family who are mentioned at the beginning of the chapter being Philemon's family. And Paul discovers this and realizes we can't go on until we have some sort of change in this scenario. Paul, being a spiritual father, recognizes right away something has to change. You can't go on like this. You didn't do it right. You're going to have to fix it. And he makes a decision. And he realizes Onesimus must go back and make right what he did wrong. It is an act of uh, our sinful nature to want to run away and never make right things that we did wrong. Our sinful nature doesn't like to do that. Doesn't like to, to admit we did wrong, that it was us. Paul realizes that Onesimus in his walk with the Lord, young that he is, is gonna have to make this right. And it's gonna be an extended cost to him. He's in Rome. Where is Philemon? Philemon didn't live in Rome. Some of the history, uh, biblical historians suggest that Philemon's family was in Colossae. Well, it wasn't next door. It wasn't just an outskirt of Rome. Paul sends him back with this letter all the way back to make right what he got wrong. I'm a little astounded because it was such a great journey and he was gonna have to make this long journey just to put the pieces back together that he had left a long time ago. But there's more than one person that's gonna to have to make the right choice here. Philemon has to respond right too. Paul appeals to him. Paul appeals to him throughout this text that Philemon's coming and he builds him up. Have you noticed Paul's cleverly written text here? It's very cleverly worded to build Philemon up and to present this amazing change that's happened in his life. Why is he going to such great lengths to advertise to Philemon what Onesimus has, this change that's happened to his life? Because, according to Roman, the Roman law at the time that Philemon was living under, he had every right to bring harsh punishment 
to Onesimus. He was lawfully correct when, when Onesimus returned to punish him harshly and to bring great wrath upon his life. Legally, he could do that. Paul knows it. And so he appeals to Philemon to treat him in a way that's in correlation to what's happened in his own life. That's why Paul would say, you owe me your very life yourself. So what I want to present to you today is not only Onesimus' side of going back to make things right and the great cost that he put forth to get it right, but also the responsibility of Philemon to receive him as a changed person and to forgive him. We, we find in action a story taking place where two men, these two men, who have received a new life, now must act on that new life in relationship with one another. That that new life has to be shown in the way they're now going to treat each other. Akin to a, a dad helping their kids resolve conflict. In my house, uh, my wife and I decided a long time ago just saying sorry is not enough. We've all experienced the, the two kids that are made to say I'm sorry and they just kind of look at the grin, sorry. Say you're sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. Have you ever experienced that? You know what I'm talking about? That's not the way we do it in my house. Tip of the day here. And my, I'm just going to give you the tip of the day for how we operate in my house, and you might want to do the same. And in our house, we have to use the word forgive. We have to ask each other to forgive us, and we also have to acknowledge what we did wrong. I don't just let my children say, sorry, huh, and go on. They have to admit what they had done that was wrong and ask the person they offended, would you please forgive me? And not only do they have to approach that way, the person who was offended or hurt, we, we stand there until they reply, I forgive you. It's so important, my wife and I have found in our marriage before we have even in children that we, we, we have to operate that way. So to set my children up for great success as men and women of God, they're going to operate that way even at a young age so that it becomes common for them to repent of something they did and ask for forgiveness to someone else. That is the basis of this letter written here. An offense has happened. You're going to have to go make it right. You need to stop Paul Paul is saying to Onesimus, I wonder what the conversation sounded like. Um, <clears throat> Onesimus, uh, here's what we're going to do. You're going to pack your stuff. You're going to go all the way back to Colossae, and you're going to repent, and you're going to make it right. Such great lengths. 
And not only that, you're going to hand this to Philemon when you get there. And Philemon, who's, who's fully capable of pouring out wrath upon this servant, and the wrath that they were allowed to pour out on them was to such a degree that no servant would ever dare leave their master for facing the wrath that, that could come upon them. They were afraid to leave. And so he tells Philemon, you need to treat him like a brother. He's my very heart and my son. Quite a dramatic change from the way our sinful nature would want to respond. Again, I'm going to reference going back to parenting. One of the roles of a parent is to teach your kids to step on the sinful nature. They can't even recognize it. That's why they desperately need you. The greatest gift that my kids have ever had is me and my wife because I see the sinful nature and I bring correction to it. It's the great role of mom and dad is when they're young to help them step on the sinful nature because one day you won't be around and they have to step on it all on their own. And if you fail to teach them how to step on that sinful nature, you've set them up for a life of trying to figure out why things keep going wrong and I, why, why does this keep happening and these cycles and patterns of destruction in their life when all along from the time they were a child, they were never taught to, to identify the sinful nature and crucify it. It's one of the roles of being a parent. And here's Paul helping these two men in the same way. Moving on in our little story here, what was Paul's great priority? Paul's great priority was to make right relationships that were left broken. It is God's heart for healing in relationships. God's, God, and through the Holy Spirit operating through us, is invested in us to heal relationships in our life and to use us to bring healing to relationships. Even if it means folding down our pride to bring healing to that relationship. Anybody here have some relationships that they need healed in their life? Yeah, me too. I do too. Paul had to let go of a valuable team member. What a wise move from Paul, who has this great team. Here's one of his valuable team members, but he sees uh, you're, you can't live like this. This cannot be a pattern in your life, Onesimus, of, of, of ditching the people that you serve and just running away and never looking back and sweet, just hope it all sweeps under the rug. You're not gonna live like that. You're gonna pack up your stuff. You're gonna go back and dig everything out of underneath the rug and repent to Philemon. Because this is the new you. That was the old you, this is the new you. And you and I may have to do the same thing. Maybe with some neighbors that have big loud dogs, right? No, just kidding, nobody has any of those. Maybe in our family, maybe on the job, whatever it might be. You living with Jesus as your Lord, living as a new creation, this, this is one of the principles of living a Christian life, is making right relationships with people. 
Not only making right relationships that maybe you did the wrong, but also forgiving someone when they wronged you. The sinful nature wants revenge. Claw their eyes out. Sinful nature wants revenge. Wants someone to pay for the way they treated us. In fact, wants what happens to them to be worse than what they did to us. That's the sinful nature. You don't even have to teach kids that. They just do it on their own. I know, I've got five of them in my house. I often reference my, the youngest. She's the uh, cherry on top. Eliana sitting here. And when she was younger, she would only want to wear dresses. And I loved it. She's the, the princess of the family. And she loved to wear these beautiful, you know, um, princess dresses and everything. And she's artsy. And she, she would do ballet during worship. And that was her whole demeanor. It wasn't just here at church. It was at home. And she would wear four or five princess dresses in the morning. Four or five different princess dresses in the afternoon and her princess dresses are all over the house and tiaras special glittery shoes and she's just like that until one of her brothers would make her mad and then she would it was like whoa what was that what happened to the princess she would come out with claws sticking out. Have you ever had a cat attack you? I have. This is my year. I'm going to be healed. That the little princess would turn into something else when her sinful nature would start acting, right? The sinful nature wants to get back at people. Paul is helping these two men overcome their sinful nature. One, to come to repentance to someone they hurt, and the other, to not act in their sinful nature and forgive someone who so deeply hurt them. And to act upon that new nature that's supposed to be in their life. It's an amazing moment in the life of Paul. And it speaks to us today in these areas. Two questions. Do you need to make something right with someone? Is there somebody in your life that maybe even today you need to make that motion towards them? Is there a debt you owe? I want to point out that Paul even included retribution. If Onesimus owes you anything, charge it to me. I'm going to pay you back. He didn't just sweep it under the under the rug. Maybe you need a, a relationship that, that needs restoration. Do you need to humble yourself to someone in the same way that Onesimus is going to have to humble himself? It's a good question. Maybe it's, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's someone on the job. Maybe it's a child. I, me personally in my family, I want to set a model of repentance to my children. So I repent when I've blown it as a dad. 
and a husband. I repent to my kids. You can ask them, has your dad ever repented for something? Oh, it happens all the time. Remember, I have issues. I know you don't, but I do. Jesus speaks clearly. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew. As we wind down our time together, Jesus makes it clear there's some certain steps to take regarding healing relationships of offense and, and, uh, or hurts, wounds, whatever it might be. When someone has hurt you and then in the reverse when you've hurt someone else. And I just want to point these out. In fact, I pu I'm pulling these from the Message Bible today, which is very unusual. I usually only preach from this one right here, which has got a lot of miles and has a lot of hot glue holding it together. It's my NIV Bible. But I loved the way that this Message Bible just makes it plain and says these scriptures. Can you bring these up here? Take a look at this. Matthew 5, 23 Verse 24, maybe you want to underline it, highlight it in your Bible. It says, if you enter your place of worship and are about to make an offering and you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Look at your neighbor and say, make it right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. Or say you're out on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right. Look at your neighbor and say, make it right. Make it right. That's the title of my message tonight for all those media people. Make it right. Make it right with him. After all, if you leave the first move to him... Knowing his track record, you're likely to end up in court, maybe even jail. If that happens, you won't get out without a stiff penalty. Everybody say, go first. Yeah, go first. Move first. What a powerful scripture verse in the realm of relationships and living together, experiencing life together as a new creation in Christ Jesus. Take, take a look at the second clear instruction from Jesus about dealing with people, and it's Matthew 18, and again, I'm going to read from the Message Bible because in this instance, it makes it just clear to understand what Jesus is saying. Matthew 18, 15, if a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him, work it out between the two of you, then post everything you hate about that person all over Facebook. Oh, wait a minute, it doesn't say that. Go tell all your neighbors first and then hope they beat around the bush and, uh, and let them know. Maybe somebody else will go tell them. No, you go first. You go to that person. Go to that person and bring it up and work it out. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, take her one or two along so that in the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. If he still won't listen, then tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start all over from scratch, confront him with the need for repentance, and again, offer God's forgiving love. You know, in living with one another and living with people, 
whether it's family or neighbors, you're going to have to do these things. And your sinful nature does not want to do them. You're going to have to make yourself act on being what, what, act on what Jesus has done for you and do it for someone else. You know, one of the things about forgiving people is we're often concerned that will they ever pay for this? Don't they know what they've done to me? One of the reasons that keeps us forgiving from forgiving people is deep down inside we're hoping we're going to get to see the turner the recompense, right? We want to see them we want to see them pay for what they've done. Jesus made it clear that he's going to take care of that. You don't have to worry about that. Let Jesus take care of that. You be Jesus to the people around you who was on the cross having been betrayed and embarrassed and treated horribly and beaten and abused. He was physically abused, verbally abused, hanging there for all the world to see, totally shamed. All the things that you and I feel in the, when other people abuse us, hurt us, offend us. Everyone was there. Everything's exposed. He's in there. And what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Wow, what an example. So maybe you need to make some things right. Maybe you need to forgive someone who's wronged you, just like Jesus did. Why don't you stand with me tonight? Very simple word about relationships from the book of Philemon. God dropped this in my heart. And I want to give to you just these simple principles that we are to act. We're to make things right that we did it wrong. It's our responsibility to go make it right. And it may cost you quite a bit. Look at what he had to do. It may, it may require extended effort. It may require humbling yourself and saying, I was wrong. I didn't get it right. Please forgive me. You have to do that on a frequent basis. I do. I have to do it on a frequent basis. Or you may have to be Jesus enough that when somebody asks you for pardon, asks you for forgiveness for something they did, that you have enough Jesus in you to forgive them and to pardon them. Jesus gave a stern warning when he was Preaching to the multitude on the mountainside, he gave a stern warning. It's in Matthew chapter 5 towards the end. And he says, if you don't forgive others when they've sinned against you, your father cannot forgive you. It starts with you forgiving other people. If you're harboring bitterness or hurts towards people, you're positioning yourself in such a way that your heavenly father can't forgive you because you won't do the first move to forgive others. Philemon speaks to us today in these areas and you may need to make some action today. We're gonna to take a moment to pray. And even as I've shared this, I know this is the word of the Lord today. 
for many of us. And the Lord has quickened to you. Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment? And the Lord's already quickened. Maybe the Lord's dropped some people. And they could be in this very room. They could be standing next to you. Who knows? But in some way, you may have to make some action today. Similar to one of these men. Either by humbling yourself or pardoning someone. We, we can leave the lights on, fellas. It's going to be okay. Can you turn the lights up, please? It's going to be okay. I'm not sure what just happened there, but we forgive you. There's a part of forgiving people. One of the hardest things to do is when somebody's betrayed you. You know, only people close to you can betray you. And the reason it hurts so much is because of the trust that was there. That's why it hurts. And that's why it's so hard to feel like you forgave them. I've had to overcome betrayal from people that I loved and trusted so much. And it takes a while for your feelings to line up with your declarations. Don't wait for your feelings to line up. You'll be waiting a long time. You need to proclaim. You need to say in faith. You need to declare, Father, I forgive them. Even though my feelings are not lined up, I forgive them. After a while, praying that, after a while, your feelings will start lining up with your faith. It's one of the reasons we don't make decisions based on what our feelings are telling us. Or we would just kill everybody around us and there'd only be one person left standing in this room. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Not you, right? Yeah, I have issues. Come on, why don't you lift your hands and why don't you just make a commitment to the Lord on this Sunday night that you're gonna walk in forgiveness. You're gonna walk in humility. Father, tonight, even as we reflect upon this simple story of what happened to this, this man, I thank you, Lord, for the principles that we see in action here of spiritual fatherhood and parenting that we see here. More than that, for our own personal lives to operate in this way. Father, come do a work in our hearts. There's many people here who have to forgive someone for hurting them. They have to forgive them because they may never come ask for forgiveness. And they have to forgive them anyway and move on down the road and can't let their life be defined waiting for someone to come repent to them. Or they'll be sitting in a spin cycle for the rest of their life. Father, we forgive them. Even if our feelings don't line up, we forgive them. We pray the prayer of Jesus. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, there's many here tonight that are the Onesimuses in this story where they've wronged someone that didn't end right. There's something left undone. Words that need to be said to bring healing and humbleness and repentance. I pray a quickening right now. Lord, your desire is healing in all of our relationships, even past ones, that there would be healing in those relationships, such as what we find in this letter. 
So God, would you strengthen and give us courage, Lord, even as we have to make a phone call or make the first move or approach someone or go see our neighbor, whatever it might be. Lord, we're gonna make that step. We're gonna reflect you in a world. We're gonna shine like stars. We're gonna be different than the world around us with respect to how we deal with relationships in our lives, being humble, being forgiving being Jesus to this world around us. Hallelujah. Maybe you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Today is your day. Don't leave this place without making Jesus your Lord. Those of you that are online, maybe you're watching and it's the first time you've ever had the opportunity to pray a prayer, to believe in Jesus with your heart and to confess with your mouth that he's your Lord to put your faith in him, to put all your trust in Jesus. I'm gonna encourage you to pray with us today. If you need to receive Jesus for the first time, I'm gonna invite you to pray with me. If you need to come back to Jesus, maybe you've drifted away. Maybe you're just not sure, but you wanna be sure. I'm gonna invite you to pray with me on this Sunday night. And we're gonna make sure the most important relationship in our life is right. And that's the relationship with our Heavenly Father. When we receive Jesus in our life, when we invite Him to come in and we proclaim our faith in Him, we receive what He did for us. When He shed His blood for us, died on a cross, rose from the dead so that we could have eternal life. Why don't you bow your head with me tonight? I'm going to invite you to pray with me. If you fit into any of those categories or you just want to be sure that Jesus is your Lord. And those of you online, pray with me. Pray right out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I receive tonight what Jesus did for me when he died on the cross to pay for my sin and rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I turn away from sin and I turn to Jesus. My Lord, from this moment on, I'm going to serve you with all my life. Thank you for loving me and for hearing my prayer. Hey, won't you lift your hands as a sign of surrender, and I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person on this Sunday night that chose right now, this moment in time, to make the relationship with you right. Jesus, you made the first move. While we were yet sinners, you died for us. And tonight, there are many who received you, repented of sin, turned to you. And I thank you, God. Lord, I pray you fill them with your power, fill them with your spirit. I pray, God, from this moment on, that new creation, new life from the inside would begin to affect every part of their being. Every part of their life would be affected by you now sitting on the throne of their heart. And I thank you, God, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.